Welcome to the Pearl Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message blesses you in a way that is inspiring, encouraging, and transformational. For more information about our church, please go to thepearlchurch.org. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm going to preach about something a little bit differently today than what you might have heard in the past. And uh, I want you to kind of go with me on a journey. But before we start, I want to thank you for being here. I'm really, uh, really kind of encouraged that all the people that made it today on 4th of July week. So thank you. Clap for yourself. And I've got a picture I want to show you this morning before we get things started. It's a picture that I found on Facebook. Actually, my wife sent it to me. I wish there's a way we could blow it up, but uh, it kind of gives you the whole idea anyways. But uh, man made on the bottom, God made on the top. And uh, the Lord was not going to be outdone by a fireworks show. He said, I got one up on you, so that's a great picture. I, I love seeing that. And that just goes to show you God's majesty and his greatness. Amen? He's a great God. So this morning, I want to share with you about a little bit about DNA and our physical DNA, our spiritual DNA, and then I want to conclude by sharing about our purpose, our purpose-led life. Now, some of you may have written, read uh, Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life or The Purpose Driven Church. Um, I'm not one who likes to be driven. I'm a little stubborn. I'm more like a cow who, has, who, who, who really understands that if somebody's going to push me in a direction, I'm going to rebel against it. But I'm very much led. And I very much want to be in the spirit of God and be led by his spirit. So I want to encourage you as I speak this morning about what it means to have a purpose-led life. But it all had to start somewhere. And it started when God, by his miraculous hand, went in and touched inside the womb of your mother and fearfully and wonderfully made you. You were made and created with purpose. Now, might I add, DNA stands for deoxyribonucleic acid. How about that? I got it. My wife's a nurse, and she said, you got to pronounce it correctly, because if you butcher it, everybody who knows how to pronounce it is going to laugh at you. And so, let me say it again. It stands for deoxyribonucleic acid. That's who you are. Your DNA cannot be changed. It can't be reversed. It can't be made into something it's not. It's who you are. Each one of you, unless you're an identical twin in this room, any identical twins in here? Yeah, one, that's right. You are the only person in this room who has somebody who has an equal DNA to you, and that's your sister. I'm hoping it's sister, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it is. I met her. You have an identical DNA, but each one of you look around. No two people in this room look alike. None of you. Not in your appearance, not in who you are, your fabric, your character, your personalities. All those things can be wrapped up in our genes and chromosomes and identified through your DNA. Now, I, I must admit, some of us get a little frustrated with our genes and chromosomes. We wish maybe the weight chromosome or gene was kind of removed from our biological setup. Have you ever looked in the mirror and said, why is it my sister and brother look great and I've got to do with this? So when I turned about 40, all of my muscular portions of my upper body slowly moved down to my stomach area. <laughs> I don't know how that happened but I got a few years on Pastor Doug, and I told him the other day, I said, hey, you're looking a little bit more like me. 
Everybody on staff is on a keto diet, except for me. I'm on a seafood diet. My wife reminds me often, she's doing her exercises and stuff every night before we go to bed, and I'm saying, how's it going for you down there? I'm thinking of you. You're making me sweat just looking at you. But our DNA is unique to us. It can't be changed, it can't be altered. You can change your outward appearance. You can get a sex change. You can get a life-altering facelift or tummy tuck or whatever, but the DNA remains the same. It's who you are. It's unique to you, and you should embrace it. It's who God created. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Part of my DNA came with a lot of hard work and not a lot of free, easy uh, uh, things that just came naturally to me. In other words, when I went to Bible college, I sat next to a guy who could literally walk into class, look over the chapter in about five minutes and ace the test. Don't you just hate that? For me, I had to study all night with a group of guys that were equally as intelligent as me and get a C the next day. I couldn't stand that, but it's who God made in me. People have been over the years exonerated by DNA for crimes that they never committed. There also have been people who have been convicted of crimes that they committed. Years later, well after their appearance had changed and they were not the same person in the mugshot, they now were a different person, but their DNA was the same. God says in Psalms 139, verses 13 and 14, that you were created, that for you created my inmost beings. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, for those of you who are like me, when you stand in front of the mirror in the morning, you're more fearful than wonderful <laughs> at the moment you look in the mirror. How many of you like that? Come on, if the bar needs paint, and paint it. I heard that from another preacher. But the reality is, we were fearfully and we were wonderfully made. I want you to say that to yourself. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Does God not care about you? Is that an awesome verse about his love and his care for you? It is. So regardless of the DNA profile, regardless of the things that we don't like about ourselves, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Embrace it. The nucleic acid relating to our chromosomes never changes. It's who God made us. And then there's our spiritual DNA. And this is the part I love. The spiritual DNA, it does change. For in you, through Adam, you were born into sin nature. Don't you hate that? If they just would have stayed away from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we would have been good. But the fact that they took upon it themselves to take it and eat of it, sin entered into the world. You were born into a sin nature, but the spiritual DNA is not the same. Here's the good stuff. In Romans 5, 15, it says this. But the gift is not like the trespass of Adam. I put Adam in there. For it, it had, for it, the many died by the trespass of one man, Adam. How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by his grace of the one man, who? Jesus Christ, 
overflow to the many. That is where the DNA shifts. It goes from the Adam to the spirit man. And when you made a commitment to Jesus Christ, when you said, Jesus, I want you more than anything else in this world, please come into my heart, change me, O Lord. He said, okay, here we go. He changed your heart. He's creating a new DNA in us every day that we serve with purpose for Jesus. Come on, say amen. That's good. That's good. You've been changed. You were born to fulfill a purpose. And that was to have fellowship with Jesus. So imagine this. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were in heaven. And they were having a great time. And God said, you know, I got an idea, Jesus. How about we create man so that he can have fellowship with us? So that he can be everything that we are. That he can come up and they can be part of our lives. That they can have communion with us and we can fellowship together. How about if we create man? And Jesus said, that sounds like a great idea. And you know what? When we create man, he's going to have a sin nature. We know that's going to happen. And so Jesus, we're going to have to send you down and you're going to have to die to save mankind. Are you up for that? And he says, yes, not my will, but yours be done, God. And he came and he surrendered his life for the atonement of our sins so that we can have a new DNA. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that the power and the wonderful part about God and who he is? Not to become a slave to sin any longer, but to be free, to have life. Let me repeat, not to be a slave to sin any longer. Get behind me, Satan. Don't come and put a roadblock in front of me anymore. You are not the adversary that I am going to serve. Greater is he that's in me now than he that is in the world. At that moment you made that decision for Jesus Christ, your DNA changed. It took on a metamorphosis. I like the little caterpillars. I made the mistake of calling him a worm in the first service. Caterpillar changes into something that's beautiful, a beautiful butterfly. But it goes through a life change. It goes through a cycle change. That is symbolic of your life in Jesus Christ. As he metamorphosizes your life and changes your DNA to be something that's sought after for him, and he exposes the beautiful things inside your life. You become at that moment in time a sweet aroma to Jesus. You are his creation with purpose. At that moment in time, you took root into the Father. You were grafted into a life-giving tree. I want to share something. I've been in the ministry all my life, ever since I was a teenager. Thrown into ministry with my wife and I, youth ministry, God bless those kids, at 19 years old. They knew more than I did. And we were thrown into ministry, and I didn't know diddly. I, 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 th- I thought I knew a lot. Coming from Bible college, you know everything, right? You think you know uh, everything there is about the exegetical part of the Word of God. You know how to hermeneutically and, her- and homiletically decipher everything. Some of you don't know those terms, but it's all, it's all systematic theology stuff. And you think you know everything. I knew nothing. But I was grafted into God. 
And God was taking me through a process. Sometimes in the, when, we, when we make that commitment to Jesus, we never get grafted in to the vine of Christ so that we can understand our purpose for why he created us. That's why he said, many raise up after receiving the good news of Jesus Christ, but when the sun hits it and they don't get watered and fed, what happens to them? They wither and die. So many believers stop at that crossroad between accepting Christ and stepping over to living a purpose-led life in Jesus, and they fall away. I want you to know that your spiritual identity, your DNA, has purpose. It has a place. Transformation started to take place. You start to grow in Christ through that spirit-led walk. Understanding God's word and his purpose for you. Understanding you have a place. Understanding commitment. People around you say things like, what happened to that guy? In fact, let me backtrack a little bit. Is Pastor Hugh still in here? Okay, Pastor, Pastor Hugh was a, a sinner walking a sinful life, and they had a nickname for him among his carnal community. They called him Trog Dog the Caveman. <laughs> Trog Dog the Caveman. And say, hey, what's up, brother? And he said, hey, he was trying every way he could to be the system. He was a shark of all different kinds of forms, he said. And if you're around, he probably got some of your money. He was all about that. But God transformed him, gave him a new name, and he decided to live a purpose-led life. He had the ability, through Jesus Christ, to defy the carnal lifestyle, to come up against sin. The third piece, which is the most critical between our physical DNA, who we are, manifesting those characteristics, our life-changing experience, our spiritual DNA, to all of a sudden now, our purpose revealed. Now God starts to reveal his purpose for your life. Your purpose begins to take a hold. And oh, this is why we were created. Which brings us here today. Each one of you has been moving into or through your purpose-led life. Whether you've been a believer for one day or 50 years, you should be walking out your purpose-led life. And we're gonna demonstrate that for you a little bit this morning. People operating in their ministry right here in this church. Your purpose-led life both personally and corporately. So I'm gonna share some ministries. I had to have my daughter, Rachel, who's part of the Pearl Church, uh, help me with all the various ministries, because they're broad. As I read off the ministries of this church, and all the ministries that are operated through you. I want each one of you to stand up if you're involved in that ministry. I wanna show everybody what it means to have a purpose-led life. Parking lot attendants, greeters, ushers, just stand up. Hospitality. Hey, I did not think serving coffee would be a ministry until a few weeks ago. Now I like it, both the coffee and the ministry. Security ministry. Fear and security ministry, children's ministry, nursery ministry, beautification and grounds ministry, sound ministry, lighting ministry, video ministry, worship ministry, food bank ministry, youth ministry, young professionals ministry, small groups ministry, prayer ministry, young and women's ministry, 
Mary's ministry, missions ministry, pearls of hope ministry, seniors ministry. For those of us who preach the word occasionally, pastor's ministry, you are fulfilling, look around this room, over half the people fulfilling God's purpose and plan. Thank you. Have a seat. And probably a few ministries I forgot to mention. So if I did that, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Each one of you, that's just corporate. That doesn't amount for all the other personal ministries that are happening outside these four walls. All the places where God is using you to plug in so that you can lead your purpose-led life. His purpose-led life for you. Let me just share something personally to you. As a pastor, representing our pastors on staff, Pastor Doug, we could not do what we do if you didn't do what you did. Right. Never in God's design and purpose for mankind did he ever ask for a man to go alone. He always brought a team of people along with him to support the ministry. That's who you are. Whether you give words of encouragement to people, whether you lead behind the scenes. Now those are just people who lead here. But for all of you who didn't stand up, I bet you there's areas where you have a purpose-led life where you're ministering to other people that we don't know about, that we don't see. I'm kind of a behind-the-scenes guy. I always have been. I love it that way. I, I don't care who gets the credit and who gets the glory as long as God's ministry goes forth, as long as his purposes are fulfilled. I don't care how loud the music is or how soft it is. I don't care if we sing a hymn or sing a Maranatha song. I want to know what God's purpose is. I'm constantly asking the Lord every day, Lord, use me for your purposes. Use me for your will. Use me to make a difference, God. I don't want to just be an it. I want to be a somebody in you. I can personally just tell you, each one of you, thank you. Thank you for the roles that you lead. Thank you for what you give. Thank you for what you offer sacrificially and otherwise. Thank you for the times when you get up in the middle of the night and you cry out for somebody else's life. Thank you for the times that you console somebody who's in need. Thank you for coming up and giving words of encouragement, words from the Lord. Thank you for your gifts of service. We recognize those things. We recognize that's what builds the body of Christ. That's what has built, built the Pearl Church and that is what's transforming City Point. It's purpose. It's not what I like and what I don't like. It's about Jesus. It's about him crucified and me taking up the mantle of his cross and saying, okay, God, where are we going today? What are we doing today, Lord? It's truly amazing to see what God can do when he uses people. I was talking, we went to lunch with Pastor Doug and Donna last week and the week before, and, and I, we were sitting at lunch, and we said, I said, I'm just amazed at the number of volunteers who step up and give un, uh, sacrificially. And he said, oh, but Pastor Rod, you don't know what it used to be like. Because <laughs> I remember one day we had a church work day, and it was me and the rest of the pastors <laughs> and a few volunteers. So that DNA was created and cultivated out of purpose. There was a need. Somebody saw a purpose and said, hey, I'll take care of that for you. And all of a sudden, things changed. A hundred plus people showed up for a church work day. 
That's amazing. <laughs> I showed up and said, this is great because now I don't have to do all the work. It was never intended for one man to carry the freight. It's, it's, carry, it's, it's meant to be shared amongst the whole. Why? Because the whole can be glorified at the same time through it. They can be blessed as well. I recently uh, saw a poll by Barnum. He does a lot of church polls and does a lot of church um, uh, uh, things that talk about changes in churches. And they, they talked about five barriers uh, of why people don't attend worship service. And I want to share a few with you this morning. Because they are directly relate to purpose. As God gives purpose, he takes away the barriers. Let me share them with you. 63% said they simply prefer to stay home. 60% say they believe church is not relevant to them. 41% say, percent say they see Christians as judgmental. 35% say they see Christians as hypocritical. And 31% say they feel like they don't fit in. And those are real statistics. Those are real people. Those are real numbers. One, let me share with you what happens when purpose is interjected in that. When purpose is interjected in staying home, it gives you a reason to get out of bed. Hey, y'all want to eat, right? So you get out of bed every morning to go to work because the Word of God says you don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> right? And so you, that's a little bit of purpose. Right? So, you know, there's a saying that the guy was staying in bed, he didn't want to get up, and his wife said, you got to get up and go to work. I don't want to go to work. Those people at work hate me, and I hate them. Honey, you got to go, they're depending on you today. They could care less if I show up today. Honey, get up and get out of bed. You're the pastor, you got to preach today. <laughs> now, that's purpose. Purpose should get us up, whether we're ministering, whether we're going to work, because why? Because God's laid in front of us a mission field to make a difference in people's lives, amen? And he can't do it without you. He can't do it without you. People say that they feel like church isn't relevant to them. Well, purpose gives relevance. If you live in purpose, then you have relevance. And so all of a sudden, those people might walk in and you give them an opportunity to feel relevant to the body of Christ. Give me something to do. Put something in my hand. Give me a place to minister and worship. Give me a place to serve. Some people see churches as judgmental, and I would say this to that. Jesus focused means judgment goes out the window. My wife was raised in a, a denomination that was very judgmental. And when I was a young believer and we were dating, I had very long hair. That's hard for you to imagine that, I had long hair. But I was a little bit of a rebel, I told you before, I don't like being told what to do. But the reality is I walked into a restaurant with my soon-to-be wife, we were engaged, and a man walked up to her from the organization that she belonged to, or previously he belonged to, and said, I want you to know that um, I'm concerned about your boyfriend because of the long hair he has. 
And in true Bonnie Hood fashion, she turned at this man who was probably twice her age and said, well, remember, God looks at the out man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And with that, I married her. And, and 34 victorious, glorious years. But judgment removed brings purpose united and gives life. Hypocrisy. Listen. Paul said what? I am the chiefest of sinners. Listen. We all feel the role of hypocrisy. I shared this story in the first service of one Sunday morning, years and years ago. I've been here for almost 20 years. I was a children's pastor then. God bless you, Josh, wherever you are. God's got a special anointing on Pastor Josh. It takes a special anointing to be a children's pastor. So he gets a special place in heaven. Special mansion, special service, all that stuff, no. but. Uh, I was in line leaving uh, at the intersection. We were side by side. It was a two car, it was a lane change thing where we, we were waiting for the arrow. The green arrow came and the gentleman in front of me just did not move. He just stood there. And so uh, in true hood fashion, I, I decided to just give him a little bit of space and think, well, anytime now he's gonna turn, he's got the green arrow. It turned yellow, I honked, nothing. So he was looking down. I thought maybe something was wrong with him. But then I, the light turned green again. So I had to cycle through to the green arrow. It turned green again, still nothing. At that moment in time, I laid on the holy horn. <laughs> I shook him into reality. He sparked up. He was an older gentleman. He proceeded on his way, but I was not done with him yet. And might I add, this was right after church. In my most spiritual state, I pulled up next to him and wanted to give him what they call the hood glare. It's traditional in our family. It's passed down to my daughter and sons, my son and daughters, sons and daughters, and it's the glare that goes, what is wrong with you? To at which point, he leaned over to me and we met eyes and I realized it was one of our elders. I went home and wrote my letter of resignation. <laughs> Actually, I rolled the window down. I said, I'm sorry. And he goes, oh, no, it's, it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. And we had a good laugh about it the next Sunday. But hypocrisy flows in and through Christian's life. We fail. We sin. We fall short. The Word of God says that. Is that a license to continue on? In hypocrisy, absolutely not. God says, do I continue to sin so that your grace might increase? No, absolutely not. He wants us to live as close to a pure and holy life as he can. But if the individuals out there are looking for hypocrisy, look no farther than me. I am the chiefest of sinners at times. However, purpose for Jesus removes hypocrisy. All of a sudden, love, the displays hypocrisy, and they realize, wait a minute, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, hey, let's walk together. Let's walk with purpose. Let's walk with the holy leading of the Lord. The last thing is, they don't feel like they fit in. Well, what better way than to get involved? So there's a little counter back there, 
is called Next Steps. And if you're not involved, I would encourage you to get over there and get in Next Steps. There are first-time there are first-time opportunities, like helping us remodel, helping us with this, helping us with that. There are long-term commitments, but whatever that commitment is, God wants to get you plugged in so that you can feel, fulfill your spiritual DNA, so that you can walk with purpose, so your life can be fulfilled. I don't know what it would be like if I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart, made a commitment for him, and didn't decide to move with him. Because God's forever moving. He's forever speaking to me. He's forever giving direction. And let me tell you this. There's no one position that's more important than the other. So let me share this with you. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12 they're not going to throw the verse up there. It's a passage that talks about everybody. Oh, they threw it up there. You guys are good. You are good. Because it was not in my notes to put it up there. But there are many parts of the body... There's eyes, hands, feet, legs, joints. All of you play a specific role. No one can say, I'm an eye, therefore, because I'm not a hand, I'm gonna stop serving as an eye. The body works together, right? It works together to function as a whole. Our body of Christ, the Pearl Church at City Point, functions together to move together as one body so that the advancement of the kingdom can go forth. No other reason. Now. I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. But what happens to a runner if he pulls a hamstring? He can't outrun the race. There's a soccer event that's happening, I think, today, right? The Women's World Cup. And one of the gals has a hamstring injury. It kept her out of last match. But any part of the body that doesn't function correctly, it affects the whole. That is why the whole body has to function together. We all have a mission. We all have a purpose. We all have a plan. We all have a, a vision moving forward. Each one of us plays a specific role. And without you playing your role, the whole body suffers. The whole race suffers. The whole completion suffers. That's why when Paul says, I do not run the race just to finish, right? He says, I run the race to what? To win. I want to win. I want to be a winner. Well, there's no losers in the body of Christ. There's just winners. If you're struggling to find your place in him, I pray and ask the Lord that you will commit to finding what that place is. He will fulfill that, open that up, and all of a sudden what was just a caterpillar will open up and become a beautiful butterfly. And the beauty will be exposed to those around us. You'll fly on wings of eagles. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not faint. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life, amen? As we close this morning, I want to share one last thing with you. How do I know that the body of Christ is actively doing that here at City Point Church? Or excuse me, I'm sorry, at the Pearl of City Point. It's gonna take me a little bit. It's because I saw 50 people over the last three weeks give their life to the Lord. Let me tell you how that happens. Somebody pulls into our parking lot, first time visitor, and somebody greets them out there and says, oh, this is your first time here today. Guess what? I've got a special place for you to park right up here just for you. 
because you're special. They walk in the door, a greeter tells them, hey, you look new. Yes, I am. This is my first time here today. And they take him by the arm and they say, hey, let me take you over to the coffee bar, get you a cup of coffee. Let me love on you a little bit. And they go do that. Then they get an usher who ushers them. They sit next to somebody who shares with them their life story. And the next thing you know, every piece of that acting, working fellowship of believers in this church takes hold. And that person's life is forever changed, even before they heard the word, because they were received unto themselves. They were received. They were welcomed. They were committed to. So this morning, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to step out. Step out in faith. Let God use you. Be a part. Be a part of this active organism that's happening inside of our church. Be a part of this active ministry that's taking place because God's got a special place for you. It's right there in the center of his DNA, that spiritual DNA for your life. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, you're an all-amazing God. I am but, but just a humble servant, Lord, and just a small part of your, of your work here at this church. Father, you've got great plans and purposes, Lord. You wish that no man would be lost, but all would come unto the understanding of who you are. You paid the ultimate price on the cross for the redemption of mankind. And I would ask if there's anybody out there this morning, Father, who needs, to, who needs and desires to make that commitment to you, Jesus, who wants to have purpose in their life, who wants to have something that's far beyond themselves, who's reaching out, who's hurt, discouraged, disillusioned, living in a world, Father, where there's hate and hurt and wants to be delivered of, Father, all the hurts inside their lives. Lord, I just ask right now that you touch them in a powerful and special way. I ask that they reach out to one of our, our prayer partners this morning, Lord. Connect with them, Father. Get, Father, in that place where they can feel a peace and a part of your ministry, of your life, of your hope and desire for their lives. I pray that all of us would encourage one another to make a difference. God, you are a great God. May we find ourselves in the center of your plan and purposes for our lives. God, I pray that this week you go before us as our leader. You lead us into opportunities where we can, Father, see a need and minister to that, being used by our spirit-led DNA. I pray that, Lord, you come beside us as our friend, continuing to teach us your precepts, your word. And Lord, you come behind us as an encourager, pushing us forward to greater things in you. I pray for all these things in your powerful, most wonderful name, Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you for your time. We love you, Lord.